1: Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 116, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year-Streak, without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K Ben. How you doing, brother?
2: Mike, I gotta be honest. Is it Every day, day is a
1: good day to be alive. Yeah, oh, of it course
2: it is. Yeah, you were fooled.
1: No, it's um
2: it's first first week of NFL season. We had a doubleheader Monday night at football. I got no sleep. I'm tired. But we have a real actual film that matters. And this is what I've been asking for since August. And it's what I, it's what I have in September. So I'm a happy camper.
1: So this is going to be our coaches film review of the Eagles and Washington, we're going to be doing this every week, along with our recap shows along with our preview shows where we're going to start splitting it up now, now that we have some actual content. So we have this. And then later in the week, we're going to have offense versus defense defense versus offense for the Eagles against the Falcons as they match up Sunday night. But let's deal with this past game this week one game first. But first, what I want to do before we get rolling here, I want to take a look around the NFL week one and give our opinions on what we saw over the past couple of days. And look, I'll save the Mitch Trubisky stuff for the QB Sco show, but I want to make it clear that he is certified butt cheeks. But I will hit on some of my takeaways with some bullet points here on some other stuff other than Trubisky. Uh, Number one, I thought Dak and the Cowboys looked really good against the Giants. Offensive line gave him literally a leap year to throw from the pocket. And this goes back to our Eye on the Enemy series where we asked where in the heck the pass rush from the Giants would come from. And right now, the answer is... Nowhere. And still, really good performance by Dak. Made some excellent throws. Don't want to take anything away from him there. So Dallas definitely looks dangerous in the East, and New York, as predicted, looks toothless. Deshaun Watson is a superstar. The government needs to step in and save him somehow with a hostile takeover. I don't know. 10 straight games being sacked three times or more. Eight out of the last 10 games, he's been dropped four times at least. That's going to ruin his career if that continues on that trend. Miami didn't just hit the tank button they rolled over it with an actual tank (laughs) if baltimore's offense is even as half as good as they looked against those sorry sacks in miami they're gonna be trouble and man does your heart go out to nick Foles, our super bowl don't even
2: talk to me about that
1: mvp finally gets another chance to start full time throws a beautiful over the shoulder boulder holder to dj chark who you know i love It goes for a touchdown, but Foles is crunched on the play, breaks his clavicle in his non-throwing shoulder-slash-collarbone side. He's going to go on IR, earliest he can return on November 17th against the Colts. This robs us of Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz in Week 8, but Gardner Minshew played like a stud. (laughs) Some interesting stats on that. PFF gave him an 87.8 grade, and he was one of only three quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson and our own Carson Wentz, to throw for a perfect passer rating under pressure, which I know you tell me never to cite QB rating, but I don't care because Minshew... Is a star, brother.
2: I mean, you said QB rating and you said PFF grades in the same thing, which...
1: Just to bug you right out of the gate. Yeah. They're good baselines. They're good baselines just to figure it out. I want to see the film, but he was objectively good.
2: He was objectively good. Gardner Minshew, objectively fun gamer, right? Like, like, like yeah. Minshew's always had, like, gumption. He's had a little chutzpah to him. And that's a good thing to have in a backup quarterback Let's not forget who the offensive coordinator there is in in Jacksonville. That's John Filippo. So it's going to be a lot of first read, quick game, RPO-based stuff. that's just going to get the ball out of your hands quickly. At least it should be. That's what it was in Philly when he went to his backup. Obviously, in Minnesota, there was a bit of an issue with that, where where sometimes things were taking too long to develop, and there were these isolation routes. I don't don't think Minshew can stress a defense outside of just being a facilitator, and I don't think Jacksonville has the weapons for that to work. Um, But obviously, it's a fun thing to to follow in terms of the Gardner Minshew, you know, trajectory. Literally, like fourteen months ago, he was going to be the third stringer in Alabama. He's now (laughs) starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a lot of fun. Big agree on Dallas. Oh man, Mm -hmm. the Eagle Dallas games are going to be a hoot and a holler this year. Are going to be a lot of fun dallas is uh dallas what kellen moore is doing is is a good time and and it's a lot of pre-snap motion a lot of flipping the strength of the formation and it's a lot of play action and that's
1: we had our doubts he was excellent as a play caller in that game
2: well right that's the question of like you know like, like design is one thing in game play calling and sequencing is another thing and i we have a one-game sample against the New York football Giants. So I'm nowhere near able to say, like, oh, he's going to make in-game adjustments or anything. But from a design perspective, this is what you want from a modern NFL offense. Like I said, uh, a pre-stamp motion, flipping the strength of the formation, uh, creating coverage checks, forcing defenses into cover three, forcing defenses to reveal their hand when they're in man coverage. Give your quarterback information with yeah. which to work. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have then you have the, the, the play action, which I think is a big part of what's going to make Dak stronger especially attacking uh intermediate and deep areas of the field is working play action to give him those one-on-one sets those clean looks that that he, he's good at attacking so you have that uh, I think that Baltimore's I mean I was asked I was asked who's the the worst team you could see realistically winning the Super Bowl this year I was asked this like a couple of weeks ago I said Baltimore because Baltimore <laughs> just is I mean, a nightmare to deal with offensively and the defense is going to be good and so I think that they they, they I, I was Surprised by the nature of their win against Miami, because like you said, I thought Miami was tanking. I didn't know Miami was doing this, Uh, and I thought Baltimore was going to run the ball a ton. I didn't think they were doing.
1: They ran over them, too. Like, the running game was really effective early. The first twelve, thirteen, twenty-three, (laughs) 21,
2: 12, 13, 23, everything like that. Like, this team needs two wide receivers, maybe three.
1: And Miami answered with nickel.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. is, like, we say all the time, like, oh, match 12 personnel with nickel. And, like, the exception to that rule is like, <laughs> when you're playing Baltimore and they really right. actually want to run the football. Like, that's the whole goal here. Um, but, obviously, as we saw, you know, uh, Lamar threw the ball really well. And that's not surprising to me. I was a big Lamar fan coming out, and so that's fun stuff. Two things to circle uh, that I don't think that you mentioned. Number one, Oakland remains a team, as they were at the end of last year, with good weapons and a good offensive design. And what's the one thing missing that's preventing them from being a good offense? Quarterback. A good quarterback. Yep. Um, but what like what Gruden does there is good. Like it's yep. it's it's got modern flavors to it. It's definitely the traditional West Coast, but it's got modern ideas to it. Uh, Josh Jacobs looks strong, Darren Waller looks strong, Tyler Williams looks strong, they've got weapons. Need a quarterback. <laughs> and I I I was a proponent of Oakland drafting one last year. I will probably be a proponent of Oakland drafting another one. This upcoming year, so there's that. And then number two, Arizona. Rough start, then they got it going. Oh, super ugly for three quarters, fourth quarter, all of a sudden, what changed? Kyler settled a little bit. Cliff settled a little bit. We stopped, you know, like kind of trying to do everything on one play. And we just ran some simple stuff, basic concepts, very traditional air raid sorts of ideas. Which people wonder like, how will the air raid translate to the NFL? We scored 18 points in four quarters running like, or 18 points in one quarter running like five different plays. And that's it. Hmm. Worked pretty well, especially when you got later in the game when that Detroit defense was tired, uh, cycling in a ton of wide receivers, letting Kyler take quick stuff, running a lot of rub routes. I mean, Detroit basically sat in one rat and said, we're going to we're going to play we're going to play man because we don't want to deal with, you know, matching these bunch sets and matching, you know, you're running back coming out. Of the fight. We're going to play man coverage. So eventually Cliff just ran man beaters. There were slot fades and rub routes, and then Arizona literally scored 18 points off of it, which actually should bring us to a corollary point because Cliff Kingsbury did everything he possibly could from a game management perspective to lose that game. Right. It was the week of coward coaches in the NFL, Oh. and Doug Peterson is the man, and thank God for Doug Peterson because he went it four on fourth down on the 34-yard line and Sprees and the Eagles won. Every other coach is a coward. Amen. Knock on wood if you're with me.
1: I wanted to talk about this at the end, but I can transition into the Eagles with that right there. So that's been our NFL recap. But Ben, like, can we talk about the Eagles being down 20-7 to 7 in the third quarter, 13-24 left, fourth and one from their own 34-yard line. There were coaches in the National Football League this week. I'd say maybe 30 the of them. The National Football League. Not the
2: Provincial Football League, the <laughs> national one.
1: They would punt in that situation because... To fail there is catastrophic, but when Jimmy Kemsky asked Doug if he had any hesitation, before he could finish the question, Doug said, Absolutely none. None. I can't imagine rooting for a team that has a coach that settles for field goals to make two score games, two score games, or three score games, three score games, or kicks from the one, punting in enemy territory. We saw all of that this week, and here's Doug, balls on the podium saying there was no hesitation to go for it in that situation. And I think back to 2017 when the Eagles really set the bar for aggressiveness on fourth down. And when they failed, if I remember correctly, I don't think the Eagles gave up a single scoring drive after, maybe a field goal, but there weren't any touchdowns involved. There's an emotional component to this that cannot be understated. Show faith in your team, and those guys will reward you. Show cowardice, and they won't. It's as simple as that, Ben.
2: Imagine... Being on, on a team and being, you know, the quarterback, being an offensive guard, being the offensive line on a team that doesn't want to go for a fourth and half a yard blows, right? Like, that just sucks. Like, you want the opportunity to go pick up that half a yard, and you obviously feel like you can. It's just the the lack of situational understanding and then the resistance to acquiring the situational understanding.
1: Because the math is there.
2: Right. It's not like it's not magic. it's <laughs> Football's been played for X number of years. So we have y number of fourth and ones from the this yard line at this time left at this you know point differential. And so we've created a model that says how your winning percentage will change based yeah. off the decisions you make. This is not even remotely close to rocket science.
1: And it's supposedly a copycat league. Eagles won the Super Bowl doing that stuff. Imagine,
2: how? imagine, imagine watching the Eagles win the, the Super Bowl in twenty seventeen and assuming the missing element was RPOs, which have been in the league for the past <laughs> like fifteen years. Right. Instead of just Peterson setting a record for single season attempts for fourth down attempts. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever it is. Just broke while we're on the podcast. So let's actually chat about this real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Malik Jackson, Liz Frank injury, expected to miss the season per uh, Garoppolo and Rap.
1: That is a bummer. Big hit. Yeah. No, no bueno. For the interior of that defensive line that I didn't feel got much of a a push. So yeah, they're, they're down one guy. And then they already got rid of Trayvon Hester's gone traded away Bruce Hector so they're a little bit light there but still Hassan Ridgeway has shown some promise so hopefully he can step up into that role guess who's on the practice squad is it Kenny Wilkins <laughs> Kevin Wilkins how dare you
2: Kevin Wilkins Kevin Wilkins sorry <laughs> get it right <laughs> which Kevin Wilkins not that good um and, and as a pass rusher he's also not mind. really exactly what you want but I liked him on the practice squad it is a shame I in my 53-man roster prediction said they should have kept five defensive tackles because of the health potential issues with timmy jernigan yeah that is not what happened in this situation but the thing about trayvon hester who immediately got picked up by the redskins and is now you know on their active 53-man roster is that he's worthy and 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 capable of keeping of sticking on 53 of of playing rotational snaps like he was obviously dt4 for the eagles last year and he wasn't great but he was a Find DT four, and you'd love to still have him in the building for that reason. So I agree. that's tough. That you know, you you always look back at the fifty three man roster cuts and say, oh, well, they should have kept this guy. You can never anticipate injury. Um, I thought five DTs made a lot of sense for how much they rotate. Um, but yeah, like Jackson played well. Sucks that he's gone. His backups, in Timmy Jernigan and Hassan Ridgeway, both had strong game ones. Uh, the Eagles' entire interior defensive line had a relatively strong. Uh, opening performance against Washington. Don't think you could say the exact same thing for the defensive ends, but the defensive tackles were good. Uh, and so Ridgeway and Jernigan, being the players who see an increase in snaps, not as big of a hit as it would be for other teams to lose their starting defensive tackle. Of course, I, I did share um, Malik Jackson and pass rush win rate, um, mm. which is something measured by Bill Burke of ESPN. Or, excuse me, it's not it's not Bill Burke. It's Seth Walter. My apologies, uh, ESPN and uh, of Next Gen Stats. Millie Jackson was eighth among all pass rushers, edges, and and defensive tackles, uh, in pass rush win rate. Obviously, now he's lost for the season, and so he was guy was he was successful in those one on one situations that he was going to get opposite Fletcher Cox. That's why it was brought in. Uh, it sucks,
1: and that's bad news for the Eagles. Hopefully, that they they can survive that storm with the depth that they have there that was on display all preseason. So that that'll do it for the the updates, the injury updates that I was not prepared for. Oh, so the NFL recap, let's get into the whole reason that we're here today as we've wandered off the trail like we usually do on these shows. But well, let's get into some... This was your stuff. idea.
2: You were like, let's talk about the NFL first. I was like, why? <laughs> but okay. <laughs> it's not how it happened, but okay. Yeah, sure. You, you said, you said, in the pre-show, you said, we're going to talk about NFL storylines first. And I was like, well, that's okay. You're done. Everything <laughs> is your
1: fault. <laughs> Nothing it's my fault. I thought it was good content. I don't know why you're complaining. I'm just saying, let's get Let's get on track. Let's get we're to the show title here. I'm
2: running off All the right. rails. Ben talks too much. Ah,
1: geez. So, Ben, look, I know I've been overbearing about this specific topic in the offseason. I know I've been overbearing with it on the Twitter timeline. I know I've already talked about it on the recap show. But Deshaun Jackson. Oh, that's
2: re- what it is. I wasn't sure what was coming.
1: <laughs> Deshaun Jackson from Reduced and slot alignments was absolute fire in week one. And some stats to go along with this. From the slot, Deshaun Jackson ran 15 routes. This constituted 48% of his routes, which was way higher than his average for any year in his career. He caught five passes, 119 yards, two touchdowns. And the best part, Ben, if you do the math, every time Deshaun ran a route from the slot, he gained eight yards. I want you to take a moment and think about how absurd that is. Eight yards per route run. From the slot. That's bonkers. And they got him on a dagger concept on the first touchdown where you have the outside receiver running the deep dig, right? He's threatening Josh Norman vertically, who has to read him and Deshaun to see who's going to threaten his deep third. So you're Josh Norman and you see Alshon. He's coming 10 yards up the field at you. You can't discount that. You can't look away. And as soon as he breaks inside on the dig, Deshaun from the slot just literally hit cruise control and he is cooking down the autobahn. He's at 100 you are at zero. So you have zero chance in that situation. Let's talk about dagger, right? That concept that they ran, that route combination with Alshon, deep dig from Jeffrey on the outside, go route from Deshaun from the slot. It's a, in a dagger read, the go route is a clear out route, but Deshaun doesn't run clear out routes. He runs touchdown routes. And that's right. exactly what happened. And it's weird. And you can point out that you pointed out something to me today. Like they had – it was a weird coverage shell because they had Sean Dion Hamilton dropping into like a deep third in the middle for the zone. So there's no chance that he was getting there. So bad coverage deployment from Washington. And right. Deshaun takes that sucker to the house. And I'm not done. I'm not done. Because we know about the other bomb. Went before the snap, barking out orders. We need to audible. I got this single high all day sucker, Monte Nicholson. I'm about to send Nelson Aguilar and Deshaun Jackson screaming at him on a smash divide concept. And poor Nicholson, PFF is going to chart him on that. But he was shook ones. He was all alone in the streets. He was beat both ways. Wentz could have had Nelson or Deshaun. But I also want to talk about Deshaun from reduced splits, right? So we talk about this a lot. And I'm calling a reduced split anything where Jackson is technically the outside receiver, right? So all outside reps aren't created the same, but I'm talking about when he's inside what's called a plus split. So, a plus split is an outside receiver lined up outside of the numbers. If he's lined up on the numbers, we call that a number split. Then there's a nasty split, and a nasty split is an outside receiver lined up inside the numbers. So, he's fairly tight to the formation. Deshaun, in this game, nasty split, eats cushion, stems inside, break it out, easy conversion. Quarterbacks have to respect his speed. Remember, this is the guy that over the last two years, per next gen stats, He had an average of 7.2 to 7.3 yards of cushion. And I'm not going to call it cushion. I'm going to call it respect. This man gets 7.3 yards of respect, top five in the league for both years. He got 7.4 yards of respect on Sunday. Just a little bit more respect from his former team that knows how dangerous he is. They're scared to death that he was going to torch them, torch them deep, torch them in the intermediate areas, torch them inside, torch them outside, gave the Eagles the offensive spark that they needed. And I got a lot of faith in Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. And somebody has got to scheme that up, and somebody's got to throw it. But down seventeen, nothing early. The Eagles do not end up making it look easy without Deshaun Jackson.
2: Oh, absolutely, no, no, no. And this is this goes back to you know Eagle, Deshaun's the Eagles' best deep threat, since Deshaun, right? Like that's <laughs> that's that's what it was, right? right? It, it, it's the last time the Eagles had a deep threat like Deshaun Jackson. It was a second round pick out of Cal named Deshaun Jackson. Right. <laughs> they haven't been able to replace him since. Now, obviously, Deshaun Jackson now is you know, not only like the best deep threat in the league, he might be like the best deep threat of the generation, right? So like, of course you didn't, but the effect can't go overstated. Excuse me. This, yeah, this first touchdown on the dagger concept, like you said, usually you're going to hit the deep dig 18 to 20 yard depth Hmm. Um, because the Redskins are running a drop eight coverage. Basically, they've got two split field safeties at the snap right around 12, 13 yards of depth. So it's 3rd and 10, so they're sitting a little bit beyond the sticks. And at the snap, these guys don't move. I mean, they yeah. just hold, right? And So they're just there as rat defenders. They're expecting Philadelphia to run what Philadelphia loves to run on thirds down, which is all hitches, all yep. curls. And, and they want to work that middle of the field, and they want to get, you know, to 12 yards of depth and then just turn around and have Wentz bullet a rocket in there for an 11-yard gain on 3rd on and 10. So they're sitting here on, on the line to gain. And because of that, you have a corner, the, the outside corner and Josh Norman, like you said, and then the middle linebacker and Sean Deon Hamilton bailing into deep thirds, Sprinting, into the middle yeah. third, into the deep third.
0: Yeah, There's enough
2: players here to cover Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey on, on, on the deep dig to, to seam route relationship. There's enough personnel to do it. Yeah. But these are players who are unaccustomed to playing in this relationship next to each other. And just john jackson is running the deep the seam, right and so it's not even like a linebacker back there but it's okay because one of the players is a tight end no this Eagles top two wide receivers uh and so carson wentz is this is a situation where the second those safeties sit and he sees Dion hamilton is bailing to be the deep middle of the field player this ball was <laughs> never
0: going to <laughs> anyone, anyone
2: else yeah
1: urch is coming across the middle of the field he's not even he's not right. even carrying because
2: norman correctly cannot leave this route to to Deshaun Deion Hamilton, right. right? You can't. He's a possible. linebacker. It's Deshaun Jackson. You can't do that, <laughs> right? And so now Norman has bad leverage and a, a significant speed disadvantage to Deshaun Jackson. Wentz leads Deshaun inside away from Norman, just hangs the ball up there. Deshaun, go ahead. And then this was something that uh, Josh Gaddis, who's the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan, was previously the wide receiver coach at the University of Alabama, so, was on okay. Fran Duffy's podcast over the summer, and when they talked about Deshaun Jackson, he said, Deshaun is the best ball tracker in the league, right? So speed is one thing. Deshaun locates this ball, puts his body between Norman and the football, slows his speed such that when the ball arrives, he still remains between Norman and the football, preventing Norman from having a chance to play on this ball. Also, the pocket is just gorgeous. Like I said, it's a rush three, so... You know, life's pretty easy in that regards. Um, but you know, Lane sits on Kerrigan. Wetz takes a, a slight crow stab off the side of the pocket and then just launches a seed.
1: Do you see the hip flexibility throughout the, the flexibility throughout the body at the top there from Lane Johnson? Look at look at this his is classic anchor.
2: Lane. This is classic Lane. <laughs> Lane because this is the thing is like if you and this is something I think we ran into last year when people were like Lane's bad, yeah. which he's not. Lane takes some of the deepest vertical sets you'll <laughs> ever see in the right. game. And Lane's primary, like, I don't don't even know if technique is the right word for this, but Lane's unique and elite skill that makes him such a good tackle is the the degree of flexibility and recovery athleticism that he has. And so Lane, more so than almost any tackle in the league, I would say, which I, I, I can't say I've watched every tackle all the time, so I might be wrong, invites rushes and invites displacement back into the pocket. Lane very regularly ends up in Carson Wentz's lap. He and Carson are both okay with this because in order to get Lane into Carson Wentz's lap, you had to engage with Lane. And Lane can get his hands on you and Lane can reset his anchor and you're not going to be able to actually get to Carson. There's a, um, I'm going to remember which play it is. The touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey. The five-yard touchdown throw to Alshon Jeffrey. Again, Lane Lane sits there. He allows for an outside rush, and he just steers him beyond the peak of the pocket. Carson has to step up in the pocket. Because of that, Carson misses a wide-open Dallas Cotter. But again, this is just Lane saying, like, I'm going to let you come outside. I'm just going to be quick enough and long enough to get you beyond Carson. Carson's going to step up, and then, you know... If Carson's got God- Goddard, he's got space. He can Goddard, and hey, Goddard. If not, Carson escapes and makes a play. Mm-hmm. That's the advantage of having a a quarterback who can move off his spot like Carson does. And so, circling back to the the salient point, no idea what this coverage is from the Redskins. No idea <laughs> why. I mean, Never I guess like that. I get with the two sitting safeties. Like it, you know, you could have gotten them in the right play call. Um, but this is this is this screams just put it up for Deshaun. Right. It's, you know, see what you can get. Um, yeah. similar situation. Obviously, you said to the check play against Nicholson jackson a a huge boon for that reason the amount of vertical stress he puts on the defense i do want to transition the conversation
1: yeah let's do it this
2: formation that the eagles are in on this touchdown Mm. third and 10 turn your book second quarter 427 three wide receivers set to the field they motion into a tighter bunch It's, it's pretty pretty spread to begin with it's just tray set back and tight end to the opposite side, to the boundary side. In this case, the tight end is Zach Kurtz, and he's flexed a little bit off the line of scrimmage. Hmm. This was by far their most frequent alignment mm-hmm. in the game. Yep. And I would be shocked if it does not remain so for the remainder of the the foreseeable season, before Absolutely. we get, like, injury or whatever, so on and so forth. So, like, this is a a 12 personnel fan podcast as everybody well knows. This is an 11 personnel set. You could run it with 12. You could go put a tight end as one of the point guys, and they've done that with Ertz before. Obviously, they didn't have Jackson at the time, but very frequently, especially on late downs, this is what Philadelphia gave you as a look because you have Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey in a bunch set. The There's a wide variety of route combinations that can be run from that three-round receiver set because all three of those receivers are effective to all three depths of the field. Alshon Jeffrey is a good short, good intermediate, good deep receiver. Deshaun Jackson is a great deep receiver who obviously is a problem short as well. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a great route runner. He's good short, good intermediate. He's got speed. He's good deep. Everybody's good to every level. So you can do a ton of stuff. And in the Eagles offense specifically, you have route site adjustments built into a lot of these concepts. And so if you give us coverage X, middle of the field close versus middle of the field open, if you're giving us a box call against a bunch set, there's adjustments to make to certain coverages, which the wide receivers and the, and the quarterback Carson both know, and you can then respond to certain coverages. So you have that bunch up there. If you want to rotate coverage that way, then you have to go man-on-man man to the outside against Zachary. It's one-on-one with either corner or safety. It's not going to go well for you. This, this, Zachary, and that was Zachary had a 20-yard reception there, and at the two-yard line. That was exactly that. Yeah. It was three wide receivers to the field side. Ertz isolated to the boundary with the halfback to his side. They had him against, I think, Quentin Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Ertz ran eight yards and turned outside. <laughs> Nine-yard catch. Dunbar yes. misses the tackle, 22-yard catch. Yep. And that's going to be there all day. So this idea of we're going to isolate our tight end, who's basically a receiver, on the backside, yep. and we're going to make you either stay in a, in, a, in, a, in a balanced zone coverage against him and thereby give us a numbers and route advantage in terms of spacing on the three wide receiver side, which is what happens here. Or you can rotate coverage over the bunch, get an extra zone defender over there, leave a man coverage guy on Zach Ertz. We're going to take Ertz for free money every day. Uh, you know, RPO game, because obviously the back is to his side, so you, know, you can read off of Zach Ertz. This idea, Trey right, Trey left, Trips left, Trips right, with Ertz isolated as the
1: backside flex Y. Philadelphia Eagles, 2019. <laughs> That's what it is. When Sanders develops as a, as a receiving option, you have Sproles in there. You can run those option routes from there. You can hurts on a clear out. You can do a lot of things. Like the Saints do that all the time with Alvin Kamara. This stuff isn't new as far as that backside stuff goes, but it's all stuff that you can do. And the Eagles had their most success passing from 11 personnel. Something over 10 yards per play from 11 personnel when they threw, 56% success rate, uh, 12 personnel, which they ran 35% of the time. They ran it 36% of the time last year. So very steady Eddie when it came to that. That worked in the run game. Five yards per carry, 60% for success rate. So that 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 is good, folks. And I want to dial back to the offensive line before we kick it over to the defense. And the first thing, I, I do want to mention this. Third down, Carson Wentz is back on third down, 12 for 13, 197 yards, three touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. So I do want to mention that. thought Wentz had a fantastic game. Even th- when things were going wrong, I'm like, these drives are ending, and they are not Carson's fault. And he showed out. So good game for Carson. Going back to the offensive line, I thought like you know they were a bit out of sync in the first half in the running game overall. They were excellent in pass protection throughout. And look, even when they weren't, under pressure, Wentz was 9 of 10. 14.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, played incredible under duress. But for the most part, he was kept clean, only one sack allowed. I put a clip up on the timeline of Lane Johnson burying Ryan Kerrigan uh, while Kel- Kelsey makes a pancake on Tim Settle. And the ageless Jason Peters did not give up a single pressure in 41 reps. Brandon Brooks did the same on 31. And when the line really got cranking in the run game, there in the second half, that took the life out of Washington. So great, great performance across the board, all except. Pala Pulivati who oy, oy. even kicked in at guard, is still bad, and he's got very little experience there. We'll see. But speaking of little experience, Andre Dillard was rough too. Actually, he he had one, where he really overset on yeah, Ryan. Ryan Kerrigan,
2: Kerrigan gave him a little <laughs> welcome to the NFL, brother.
1: Yeah, remember those second stringers you were housing? Yeah, I might look a little different there, Tiger. Yeah, they were in a heavy set. Gives up a pressure. I mean, he also only played three snaps, and Ryan Kerrigan is Ryan Kerrigan, as we've documented. You can't just Mm -hmm. make your butt a sideline camera, though, when you're out there that wide like Dillard was. So hopefully he learns a lesson there. Any other takeaways from the offensive line there, Ben?
2: Okay, well, number one, I'm looking at Mike Grove's presser right now on Philadelphia Eagles Live. What happened to this dude's hairline? It's been a hot second since I've seen Mike Rowe.
1: 2018 happened.
2: Yeah, 2018. That scoring in the first okay. quarter happened. Jiminy Christmas, that young man Sanders got a little juice, doesn't he? Uh, um, he's, for good and for bad, he moves at a high speed. Sometimes Request. it means he goes to the wrong place. Right. At the very same time, oftentimes when he's in the wrong place, he makes guys miss. Um, that that <laughs> run he had, about a nine-yard run, I think you was on the Washington side of the field in the, in the third quarter. Um, where it's inside zone he's got a hole right up the middle and he goes what if i bounce this thing outside where there's two contained players like no 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 yeah. and then he gets out there and he gives him a little head fake inside and beats him all to the corner i mean he's uh
1: we saw that in college too he wants to he wants yeah. to hit that back door we've talked about it yeah
2: exactly no sanders is a space player he does not want to be playing behind the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. got to continue to learn how to do that to be a constant running back want to talk sanders pass protection real quick
1: we can because he got praised for a pass per rep by literally everyone that was covering the eagles and i was like guys. Come on. So what, what it was the throw to Deshaun to the right, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, it was yeah, it was when uh 53 was coming downhill. Whatever I think was, I
1: think it was I think it was fifty five. I think it was Holcomb who backed. Holcomb? Yeah. He Holcomb played, played well by the way. They got a good really one. Well. Yeah, yeah. he did play well. And uh Mark Bullock tried to warn us about him who apparently had a good offseason process. But look, Holcomb comes, I believe it was Holcomb anyway. Sanders has to slide to his right to pick him up. Number one, very good that he processed and ID'd The right guy to pick up. That was an issue for him in college, so that's a step in the right direction. Number two, your depth as a running back when you pick up a blitzer. You want to be between the quarterback and the rusher. Sanders does this, but he's also in Carson's lap when he does this, so not good depth. Number two, balance is off. Number three, his hand pop, there was none. His hand placement kind of like, I don't know, tries to hug him. It it was really weird and get bowled over. So it was weird to see people praise him like that because, okay, the result was good. Carson got it out and and got it to his guy, didn't get sacked. Sanders got bowled freaking over for more reasons than just not being as strong as the other guys. So there's still some work there. But like I said, the processing, the mental aspect of it was encouraging in that regard anyway.
2: I remember an offensive line coach once told me that you want to measure a running back's pass protection by – if he's ready to make another block afterward, right? <laughs> because a lot of running backs kind of use the Sanders technique, which is like, I am a heat-seeking missile. And yep. like, we're both going to die. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and like, you you want him either to be able to sustain the block or after initial contact, be able to re-engage the block. That's Correct. like the biggest measure. Uh, and Sanders was not there, which is, it, it, again, it's fine. Um, I will say something on the complaint about the usage of Darren Sproles. Sproles remains quite good, right? How much... He gets touches. I think. I think you're if you're complaining about Darren Sproles' touches, it should be more predicated on the idea of the players who are not getting the touches, rather than the idea that it's Sproles who's getting the touches. Do You see what I'm saying? Like, I think Sproles mm. is still a, a good player who maximizes his touches quite well. He had uh, uh, multiple reps where he broke tackles near the line of scrimmage, created positive yardage. Sproles played a good game uh, for for what Sproles has always been for the Eagles. Now. You know, when when the running back room last year was was Corey Clement and Josh Adams, you really wanted Sproles to touch the football. Now, perhaps with Miles Sanders, you don't want Sproles to touch the balls more simply by virtue of omission, of of the, the players he's taking away reps from. Same thing can be said in terms of the passing game, where, like, the running backs were really heavily involved in the passing game in the first quarter. Carson Wentz seemed a little bit skittish in terms of attacking just pure man coverage early. I don't know if it's a you know, wanting more reps with Deshaun thing, if it's a kind of, you know, like, like picking his poison and, like, figuring out where he wants to go with the ball pre-snap sort of a thing, but then so there's a lot of check-down things, and, like, a third and six check-down to Darren Sproles in space is not, like, a bad idea. It isn't. Mm. It's just the other guys who could get the ball are, like, really good at catching the ball, and they're already on the line of scrimmage, or the line to gain. So, like, yeah. you know, that's that's where the, the Sproles complaint for me comes in. So... I don't know. I don't anticipate Sproles having a bigger role than he had in this game. Of course, we didn't anticipate him having as big of a role as he had in this game. So maybe we just don't know how valuable they think Sproles is. But to me, maximized his touch as well. It's just a matter of figuring out that balance of, okay, Sproles is a good player who maximizes touches, but so is Alshon Jeffrey. And how much should we be targeting Alshon as opposed to Sproles in the passing game? So that's kind of the, the conception there. I think that's everything I have for the offense.
1: Carson Wentz was really good. <laughs> when we come back here on the Kist and Solak Show, we're going to do our best to break down the defensive side of the ball, which was not as exciting for the Eagles. That's coming up next. And we are back on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 116. Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak. This is brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball here on our coaches Film Review Show. Uh, this was not as exciting. And Ben, if, if I told you, no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm going to I'm going to it's going to be dramatic if I told you that PFF charted the Eagles with a 42.2% pressure rate against Case Keenum. Would you believe me? No. Instantly, I was like, "What is this? There's, there's no way. There's no way." I want to see how the other analytics companies report this because I mean, they need to go back and do an audit. I didn't on my first, second, third run through. Forty-two point two percent. You get it, you Mike. Me? You went through the film three times. Amazing. Whoa. Look, I charted it, and then I watched it, and then I watched it again because I'm a grinder. I, I I hate <laughs> virtue signaling like that. Okay, Ben. But I mean, honestly, the the pass rush was not there whatsoever, and of course, you know the the Eagles. Struggled with play action as I wrote about for bleedinggreennation.com in an article entitled uh, What the Analytics Tell Us About the Eagles' Defense. Also, wrote one for the offense uh, yesterday as well, so check those out. But play action definitely a problem for the Eagles Sunday. It's something to track because letting Case Freaking Keenum go 7 for 11, 15.3 yards per attempt and two touchdowns can't be the new norm because that's not good at all. And when you look at what goes into that stat line, Yes, you have the 48-yard touchdown where Sandejo comes downhill against the run action, picks up Vernon Davis, trips on his foot or something, then his brain shuts down and he forgets how to tackle along with some others. So that pads the stats a little bit. But they also missed the bomb to McLaurin. So they looked out there. And much like that play, this concerns me as we head into Atlanta, which we'll talk about later in the week. But Schwartz, who only blitzed 16% of the dropbacks, brought heat against a run look and And smashed into a wall of match protect, which gave Keenum the time he needed to allow the deep route for McCorn to develop. And hey, if you're the corners, like if you're Sydney and you're Sewell, like I get it. The the blitz is coming. You're throwing a fireball at them. You're squatting on the intermediate routes. And you get toasted, not making an excuse for them. But you can kind of see the thought process, which led to the busted coverages. What, What did you see from the Eagles defensively in those situations where they kind of busted out there?
2: Right. Here's my thing with Schwartz and with the blitz which I, I am firmly in camp, don't ever blitz. <laughs> it seems to me, and I want to preface this by saying I have just no idea what I'm talking about. It we seems to me, like in situations where, in my head, I would say the offense is probably going to want to go deep here. Schwartz is very oriented at taking away, like, quick throws. Yeah, And in situations where, in my head, I'd be like, the offense is probably looking for some quick short yardage here. Schwartz is like... We got to make sure we're protected deep. And
1: I don't it's understand bizarro. that, really. It's, it's bizarre. I'm, I'm so with you on that because this is – they get into an area where you it's shot territory and you and you come to play. Why were the Eagles last in the league in DVO way allowed on post and go routes when you play 15 freaking yards? It doesn't make any sense. Pat. Well,
2: and that's the thing, right? So the Terry McLaurin touchdown against Rasul Douglas, which Rasul right. literally just confirmed this speaking to reporters. He had no safety help on that play, and that's correct because at the snap, <laughs> there is no deep middle safety. There is six players in the line of scrimmage. Right. There are three corners over three corners. And then there yep. are two linebackers. And I'm grabbing the play, sixty nine yard touchdown, right so they're on the thirty one yard line. So not exactly in shot territory yet, but still.
1: You're telling Case, hey, if you get three sec if you get two point five over two point five seconds, if I can just hold on to this ball, if I can make one movement against this blitz, I have no safety, and I have Terry McLaurin on rasul douglas
2: this is this again is the the process of this play so i'm i'm case keenum i'm under center i walk up to the line i think i already have a play action pass called um so he doesn't really check anything hard but i see six guys on the line two safeties threatening the blitz on the outside two linebackers and then three corners one of the corners rasul douglas up near the line of scrimmage on mclaurin and i think to myself cool there's no safety in the middle of the field so he does a little hand signal to McLaurin. And I don't yeah. really know exactly what that is, but there's a potential that was like, hey, why don't you just run really far down the field, right?
1: <laughs> That's the technical term for that. Yeah, route yeah, yes. right. So then in
2: play action, right? The Eagles send Rodney McLeod off the side. So it's a five man blitz. He gets and and up. Jenkins bails again coming into the short area of the field, cutting off a short middle route. Right. It's second and eight. What? Uh, why? Cutting off a short middle route. <laughs> yeah. Uh Nigel Bradham sneaks up up to the line as It's clear that uh, the the tight end is not going to be releasing. He's going to be run blocking. Bradham then adds himself to the pass rush. As it becomes clear that the running back did not get the ball, and he's going to be pass blocking, uh, Zach Brown adds himself to the pass rush. So we had seven players eventually rush. One on a blitz, five-man rush, and then two when their player stayed into pass protection. Now, I've got four guys in three coverage over three routes. (laughs) But because Jenkins was up in the line threatening blitz, he's just playing shallow middle of the field. So it's Rasul Douglas who knew from the beginning that he was going to be in deep coverage, uh, you know, isolated. It was just going to be pure man coverage. He goes with no safety help. Rasul's up at the line of the line of scrimmage. Oh, makes sense. Rasul Douglas, 6'1", really long arms. Cool. They put him in bail. Yeah. So he's in a half turn. Right. Which is
1: the worst for, for Rasul?
2: If exactly. And this is this was going to be this is going to be my next point. But we can right. fast forward it a little bit.
1: Put your players in a if position to succeed. You're going to play Rasul
2: either <laughs> eight to ten yards off. Or in a bail when he's at the line of scrimmage, just play Sidney Jones. Stop doing this. Right? Like, I think Rasul Douglas is a better player than than Sidney Jones. But if you're going to insist on playing your corners in this technique, (laughs) Rasul Douglas is not good at turning. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the big weakness with him. Why are you putting him in space isolated? That's what you need Sidney for. That's Sidney's great at turning around. He's so good at it. Put him there. (laughs) If you're going to leave Rasul, that's the thing. Is like Rasul, this is an isolated receiver, isolated X receiver. There's no other receiver to this side. There's no safety help. This should be a situation where you tell Rasul Douglas, whatever coverage you are the most comfortable in, Mm. play. Mm -hmm. Because you need to eliminate this guy wherever he goes. Right. This should be an opportunity for Rasul to get right up in the line, take McLaurin and shove him. To buy time for the rush to get there. to buy time to disrupt the route concept to lead right. to, to, to 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 you know to take him out five yards out to get connected to him Rasul's great when he's connected when he's in phase so Rasul's get put in the bail so he's in the half turn so when I say the half turn head and shoulders turned facing the backfield to read hips facing downfield to potentially open up and run McLaurin gives him one step to the outside Rasul takes a hesitation step and then it's a race between a four three five guy and a four five guy I wonder who's gonna win Yep right and then and again there's no middle of the field safety help. And so McLaurin can just lean this thing inside, right? And and leave this huge open space in the middle of the field and say, Keenum, just hang this thing out here and I'll go run under it. There's no one who can come threaten this ball to the outside. (laughs) And I do not understand why this call makes sense for the situation and why this technique makes sense for the player. Yeah. And that's where I get confused and frustrated. We go to the third and three with 118 left. Mm. Oh yes, I called it 118 left, second quarter, turn your bucks. Again, we have we have a spread set. It is a four wide receiver set. Eagles are are showing to rush four single highs about 18 yards off the line of scrimmage. Don't ask me how I feel about that. <laughs> there's a there's a stack set to the boundary, two wide receivers and Sin- and and, and Avante Maddox and and Rasul. Excuse me, no no no. Malcolm Jenkins and and Ronald Darby are right up against it. Both of them right on the line of scrimmage. There's a slot receiver to the field. Avante Maddox is up against him, right up against the line of scrimmage. One receiver to the out, the receiver to the outside, Rasul Douglas, ten yards off the ball. Why? It's third and three. Every other corner, every other corner, who it's these pressing. like Darby and Maddox are your like quick close, quick twitch, explosive players. They're up at the line. Rasul Douglas, who's your huge, long, physical, scary dude, is ten yards off. I don't. Or, Excuse me, he's eight yards off. I shouldn't say ten. He's eight. I don't understand that. Because what's yeah. going to happen is Paul Richardson is going to run a five-yard hitch, and and Rasul, who doesn't read it great, does not have the explosiveness to recover and, and, and affect the catch point. It's an easy first down. I mean, if you're a quarterback, this is not hard. You need five yards, and there's only one corner who's not within five yards. Where are you going with the ball? So this is this is this, these are the things that I don't understand. My thing is like simply like if you're gonna insist
1: on this. Put Sidney Jones out there. Don't put Rasul Douglas out there. He has a better chance of making that play. And you know, I'm a Sydney fan. If you want to play press, put Rasul out there. Play to, to put your players in a position to succeed. And here's what frustrates me so much. Because we hate this game plan. This happened last year. We hated the game plan. He's going to go into Atlanta, who he has schemed up very, very well historically and they're going to have a good defensive performance. We're going to be like, what is going on with the inconsistency of this defense? It's just week to week. You can't figure Schwartz out. We hate him. We love him. We give him credit. We bash him for an entire show. It's over and over and over. And that's what's so frustrating to fans because they keep these bad yeah. moments in their mind. You know, That's
2: the thing is like <laughs> my final note on the defense is this. It's the same as it was, which should not be <laughs> shocking, right. but it is. And so it's going to continue to have the same problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's as simple as that.
1: So uh, la- last thing that I want to hit on here before we get out of I, I want to retract my previous statement on the recap show about Nigel Bradham potentially having a good game. Because outside of the third and three stuff, and look, it was impressive, strong tackle. But let's be honest with ourselves, Chase Royer did a very poor job of climbing to the second level on a combo block against Fletcher Cox and really left Brad and freed up in space like outside of that he missed three tackles he was pretty poor in coverage and that's a problem if he's going to be your dime linebacker and you're going to be in dime packages 55% of the time like the Eagles were on Sunday that said he was solid against the wrong along with Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham Cox had a splash play too and despite not getting too many standout performances from the defenses 2.2 yards per carry for the for, for Washington only a 15% success rate Washington, again, as we noted in the preview show, wanted to run on first down in the first half, doing it 60% of the time and only having one singular successful play on those while also the whole time not gaining a single first down via run. The only team in week one to not get a first down, to not move the chains for a first down in the run game, Washington wants to establish that? the run right and th- by the way didn't establish the run we're great in play action those two things are not correlative right that, just wow. another mountain of evidence going against the fact that you have to establish the run to be effective in play action because they torched the eagles with it and which is it's just it's fascinating to me uh ben anything else that you have on the defensive side of the ball
0: oh,
2: zach brown let's get camu healthy shall we brother we got <laughs> to
1: we got to man let's we and let's em. hope camu is the the pass coverage linebacker that was promised man because we need help in that area. There's no yeah. doubt about it, for sure. Ben, that's going to do it for today, I guess, since you gave me that look. it Was that the take-home look? I'm, well, I'm you said that.
2: anything else, and I made my Camus joke, and then yeah. you finished as if you wanted me to say something, and I was like, but that was my anything else. Is this a second anything else? Am I give- yeah. being given another one? Yeah. Um, um Let me think. S- um, say- <laughs> Cindejo wasn't very good. I wish LJ4 took snaps. Nate Gary is bad. <laughs> um, Josh White got blocked by Trey Quinn at one play, and that made me upset. Okay. <laughs>
1: That's bad. That's bad, Ben. Yeah. Well, Brandon Graham also did, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. Ben, say goodbye to the uh, to the gentle listeners.
2: Thank you, as always, for listening to the and Soul Solak Show here on Bleeding Green Nation Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. This was the first All-22 recap show, focusing on the Eagles, 32-27, to 27, I think, uh, victory over the Washington Redskins. Offense is very good. Defense is much the same. Get excited for a fun season. Atlanta is the Sunday night football game in week two. We will be preparing you for that throughout the rest of the week as we put a bow on Washington to Philadelphia. Expect two preview shows from the Kiston Solak show focusing on schematic and matchup tendencies. Of course, the regular BGN radio show with Brandon Lee and May Forever Rain, and John Stolness will also be available previewing that game as we update it on this podcast. Mal- Malik Jackson. injury. Sorry, I was I was, other, I, was late on. Um, I,
1: I, I tripped you up. I was late on that Mayhee Forever Rain. That was my fault.
2: <laughs> other um other injuries, there'll be updates. Other other changes in the roster, there'll be updates. If the Eagles add a defensive tackle, I'm sure we'll talk about him. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at NFL. that's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Rate, review, subscribe, love us dearly, support us in everything that we do. Unconditionally follow us. Thank you.
1: We all we got? We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: She